Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, everybody. Before we start today's episode, we wanted to let you know about something special. We have unveiled our very first Game Nights-themed playmat. We're calling it Last Stand, featuring the amazing art of Titus Lunter. It is up on Kickstarter right now. We're shipping internationally and domestically. We have signed versions available as well. And guess what? You only have until the end of this Kickstarter campaign to get this playmat. And at that point, you're never going to be able to get it again once it's over. Yeah, this thing is beautiful. You really want to get your hands on it. If you're a fan of Game Nights, it's really a piece of history because it's our first Game Nights-themed playmat. So again, when that timer runs out, you will never be able to get this playmat again. So head on over to Kickstarter. All of the links are in the show notes in the more info box below the video. All right, on to the episode. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Joda, pirate's life will be. Joda, Joda, the arch life for me. I actually worked on a bunch of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah, so you've probably heard that song a lot. Yeah, you think I know the words, but I don't. Nope. Hello, everybody. How are you doing today? My name is Jimmy Wong. You are watching and listening to the Command Zone Podcast. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And we are now on week two of the Brawl Deck Text. That's right. We're spending some time to jump into Brawl. Have you seen the latest game nights? We are now assuming that you have because we're two weeks away from it. So we're going to reference some of the stuff that's going to happen in the that episode. But if you haven't seen it, make sure you go and watch it right now. Then come back to this episode to find out why Joda Archmage Eternal is an incredibly broken and powerful card. Jimmy, you had one of the most insane turn fives yeah. that I've seen counting Commander. Now, <laughs> and I mean even counting like crazy Hermit Druid wins. Because the Hermit Druid win is kind of boring, right? It yeah. just like mills itself, yeah. Necroticus, I get it, you win. This was insane on a level that you just wouldn't expect from this format. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about Brawl, 60-card deck, standard-only legal cards, and Joda happens to just be the prince of making big stuff happen. Oh, man. I just realized the last episode we talked about Brawl and we didn't even define what the format is. Let's do that really quickly here. (laughs) So in case you don't know, Brawl is basically standard commander. So it's 60-card, singleton, can only have one of each card except for basic lands. You can only use standard legal cards. So right now it's Kaladesh, Ether Revolt, Amonkhet, Hour of Devastation, Rivals of Ixalan, Ixalan, and Dominaria. And the intro decks. And the intro decks. So Shivan Dragon is legal. Oh, sweet. It's I did not been, know that. Yeah, I think it's always been legal and standard whenever they have the intro decks because it's part of... Okay. Um, you start with 30 life. Not, I think it is. Not 40. There's no commander damage, and Planeswalkers can be your commander. Yep. Okay. Those are the rules. But you're still better off with a creature. And if you want to play Brawl and you want to buy some of those cards, you should head on over to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. They are our sponsor for the show. You're going to be able to find every single card that you need. And because it's in standard, you're not paying exorbitant prices for anything. Well, for the most part. For uh, some of the standard stuff, you might be. For sure. But you're not being affected by like this card, like food chain, just doesn't exist anymore. True. Re- <laughs> reserve list doesn't hit you. Yeah, exactly. So uh, make sure you go over to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. You're directly supporting the show by doing that. And while you're there, you should pick up some stuff from our other sponsor which is ultra pro i saw card kingdom just tweeted out about the new 100 packs of sleeves for the eclipse sleeves which has been a real big boon to our community because we make 100 card decks normally now today we're talking about 60 card decks but i know a lot of people (laughs) out there 
wanted the packs of 100 because it was annoying. They were coming in packs of 80. You had to buy like five of them to get even amounts for your 100-card decks. Now, don't have to worry about it. 100-card packs are here. So the final way to support the show is to go and directly contribute to us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash command zone, man, our patrons are the best. They really keep the lights on around here. And they get to access our Discord server, and also they can sort of private message us on Patreon. They also get their own place to sort of post comments and talk to us, and we always try to respond to all of our patrons, of course, because you guys are our biggest supporters. In fact, we call out one of those big supporters every single episode, and this episode is dedicated to... Jonathan Jonathan Welch. Jonathan, you rock. Rock, you do. Yes, you do. Yoda. (laughs) All right, uh, Yoda, Archmage Eternal, let's just get right into it. It's Yoda. Yoda. Yeah, that's right. What was it? Haleva? Haleva? Yeah, see? Yeah, there you go. Yoda, Archmage Eternal. Or is it Archmage? I still don't know. Let's read this card. Yoda costs one blue, red, and a white. So that's Jeskai, four mana total, for a 4-3 legendary creature, human wizard with flying. And all his text says is you may pay white, blue, black, red, green, rather than pay the mana cost for spells that you cast. So if Yoda is on, if Yoda is on the battlefield, every single card in your hand could cost Wooberg, five mana. Yep, it doesn't have to. If it costs less, obviously you can pay less. Yeah, uh, exactly. But you could cast a 13 mana spell for Wooberg if you happen to have that spell. It wouldn't be legal in Brawl, but still. No. You're trying to cast the biggest whoppers that you can, though, in standard right now when you play this deck. What uh, do we always say? Cheating of mana costs yep. among the most powerful things that you can do in Magic. Uh, that's all that Yoda does. Joda. Y- Yoda. <laughs> Yoda presents some very unique problems and issues in a format like Brawl because, again, only the cards that are legal and standard are working here now, which means you don't have access to fetch lands, shock lands, dual lands, and basically mana fixing to the degree. Signets. Signets, yeah. A lot of different things. And so essentially it's asking yourself, can I actually build a five-color deck? How much of my deck needs to be dedicated just to doing that specifically? And how do I make this thing not fall flat on its face? Because you need to have Jeskai in the first four turns to cast this guy. But you also need to have green because that's how you're going to ramp your way and get your uh, lands fixed. So And you need black to, to round it out and actually use the ability. Yeah. Yeah, this was the thing when I saw Yoda the first time, which was... I don't know if this limited card pool can support a mana base that's going to allow me to consistently you know, have Wooberg available to me on turn five or six. And to be honest, it may actually still not. This deck, I think, has a really high risk rate because if you just don't draw the cards you need to ramp, you need a specific combination every single time and you're going to have a not a great percentage chance of doing it, to be honest. No, I actually think it's better than you think. Um, you know, having faced the deck a few times, um, it feels like Wooberg kind of gets there and sometimes it's turn six. Yeah, it's uh, just awkward and that's the yeah. last thing you want. When it doesn't, though, it's in bad shape. Yeah, it's in real bad shape to the point where you just are sometimes looking at a group of four or five cards you can't actually play. I mean, they just cost eight mana or something. Yeah, exactly. You're like, well, you in three turns, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff to talk about here, especially in terms of the mana base, but we'll address that at the very end of the episode. Let's just talk about first what cards in this deck are worth it. So the I big like how you're learners. like, I'm starting with the big stuff. Yeah, I mean... That's kind of the fun thing about the deck, right? That's why you play this deck is so that you can drop these cards as early as turn four... Five. Five. If you cheated out Joda on three, you could do it on four. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it would take it would take a lot, but you definitely could. It's just you get one of those specific. two mana mana dorks and you could do it. Yeah. I don't think it even would take that. I mean, you have to get a little lucky, but um, well, not to name cards that we're going to talk about later, but Channel or Initi- Initiator Drover the Mighty would get you there. Yeah. Yeah. That's freaky. Because let's talk about some cards that could turn out come out on turn four. Uh, yeah. How about my favorite? The one that I think everyone remembers the most from the show, if you watched it. It would be Zakama, Primal Calamity, that makes its appearance once again and is just as terrifying. Maybe more terrifying. Yeah, maybe more terrifying. Um, It's a 9-9 that costs 6 red, green, and white. Now, you are obviously not trying to pay 9 mana for this card. You're trying to pay for it with 5 mana with Joda on the battlefield. And when this dinosaur has a Vigilance Reach and Trample, the full suite of just being able to stand there and block and attack over everything... When Z- Zakama enters the battlefield, if you cast it, untap all lands you control. 
So casting it through Joe, that still counts as casting this card. You're going to untap every land you have. For two and a red, you can have Zakama deal three damage to target creature. For two and a green, you can destroy target artifact or enchantment. And for two and a white, you gain three life. So this just has everything you need on it, as well as just being a huge attacker on the ground that's going to be very tough to deal with for most decks in terms of blocking and killing it in traditional means. Removal spell, no problem. But still, the value you get from playing this early is nuts, because then you just have a 9-9 nine -nine that can just blow up everything it needs to. Well, and let's also talk about the fact that it untaps all your lands. So you basically play it for free because you play it with, with Yoda, untap your lands, then play the next big thing out of your hand. Yeah. Or, you know, blow stuff up with Sakama, but still... And this is what we saw on game nights was Jimmy was able to use Zakama to sort of chain together and have an insane like sequence of plays that culminated in this guy. Um, Which seems to be a popular commander for Brawl as well. I yeah, think and it was are. one of the ones I was considering. And I, don't, I think you said you yeah, were too. Yeah, because well. you just have to consider Nicol Bolas. It's the Planeswalker, Nicol Bolas, God Pharaoh, four, and Grixis, four blue, black, and red. So... Seven mana total, comes in with seven loyalty, has four abilities. Plus two is target opponent exiles cards from the top of his or her library until he or she exiles a non-land card. Until end of turn, you may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Plus one, each opponent exiles two cards from his or her hand. Whew. Negative four, Nicol Bolas deals seven damage to target opponent or creature in opponent controls. And uh, negative 12, each... Uh, sorry, exile each non-land permanent your opponent's control. So the obviously the ultimate is insanity. Then plus one is actually, I think, the scariest thing about Nicol Bolas because he goes to eight loyalty mm -hmm. and everybody exiles two cards. If you do that twice and he goes to eight loyalty, it's hard to kill him. Yeah, you just have to hope to draw into it or have enough everyone turn attack this thing at the same and time. And be able to, right? Because you have Jota out probably, mm -hmm. so that's one blocker. Um yeah, if you if you get this out on turn five, which spoiler alert, Jimmy did. I think that scenario is going to play out very similarly a lot of times, which is you basically stripped our hands because Nickel Bolas basically made it through like three or four turns. Yeah, just doing that over and over again, um, and it's just hard to take down. That much loyalty is a lot. It's a lot. We were in a situation where Nickel Bolas was just alive for like three or four turns. Like yeah. it was brutal. Pretty intense, uh, and obviously it's one of the big payoffs of the deck. And here's the thing, and we'll talk about this later as well. Seven mana isn't that undoable in a deck that has a lot of ramp in it too. So yeah, there are times when you can't just play Joda anymore. Just cast these cards. Yeah, Zakama I think is by far the top tier top end. And the next card is in between these two. It's Sandworm Convergence. Six green, green, enchantment. Creatures with flying can't attack you or planeswalkers you control. So again, important for someone like Nicol Bolas. And at the beginning of your end step, create a 5-5 five, five green worm creature token. So a free 5-5 five, five at every end step, and now flying creatures can't block you anymore, and you're making the best blockers on the ground that you can. Pretty good. You're going to be very difficult to kill. It's not like the other formats. Um, limited card pool. There's not as many alternate win conditions. Yeah. There's no lab maniacs. There's not, you know, if you start your turn with 40 life or whatever, you win the game. There's just less of that. Not that there's none. There's just less... And then we have noticed there's tends to be a decent amount of board stalls. Sandworm Convergence plays right into what this deck wants to do, which is like save up for really big effects. Yeah. It just makes you very safe. And then also, eventually, you just have like seven, eight worms. That's a lot of power. You, you can just win with that. Yep. And that's the thing, too, is that it's very hard to deal with enchantments in this format. Very few cards actually do that. And this is the kind of card that just at first is like, okay, this should be okay. But then you start gaining so much free value over it. You can't even kill these people in the air, which is the big thing about that. Uh, it just ends up being a very hard situation to push through. Okay. So the big question, how do we get there? Which is meaning, how do we get the mana in the right place that we can actually take advantage of what Yoda does. Yeah, and the big thing is that even though Yoda is a Jeskai commander, it's a five-color commander, and you need to have your green be your primary color uh, just because you need to be able to play cards like Drover of the Mighty, which is one in the green for a 1-1 one, one human druid. Uh, it gets plus two, plus two, as long as you control a dinosaur, which is actually really relevant in this deck because we're playing cards like Zakama and Atali. Yeah, and a lot of the big creatures in the format are going to be dinosaurs gonna be right dinosaurs, now. Yeah. yeah, and you tap them to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Uh, you also have a card like Atzakan Seer, which is one green and a white that does the same thing, makes it 2-3. But then you can actually sack this card to return a dinosaur card from your graveyard to your hand. So endgame, you very rarely find cards like a Mana Dork that end up being good for you. Yeah, it gets a comma back, cast um, it again, go off. 
Obviously, you're going to play every single two-mana Mana Dork, but specifically, you only want to really play the ones that can add any color to your mana pool. Yeah, like, Llanowar Elves wouldn't necessarily be good in this because no. if you already have the green, you don't actually need a second green. What you need is a red or a blue or something, right? Yeah, so you'd yeah. rather take the fact that you can take a, a card like Channeler Initiate or Drover or at Zakansir to add any color to your mana pool. Uh, two other ramp cards you have here are uh, Oasis Ritualist, which we talked about last episode, and I believe is actually just very good in most green decks probably in the format. Yeah, It's three and a green for a 2-4. You can tap it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool, or you can tap it and exert it, which means it won't untap on the following turn, and in that case, you add two mana of any color to your mana pool. So yeah. It's it, not great that it's four mana, but you just need to be able to add every mana color. And 2-4 actually, again, in this format is not the worst it can block stuff mm -hmm. um so and then the other card is hour of promise which is four and a green for a sorcery you search your library for up to two land cards put them onto the battlefield tapped and then if you control three or more deserts you create two uh two two zombies yeah so that zombie part is never happening with this card the only reason it's in the deck and it's not a great option again at five mana but it will get any two land cards out of your deck so if you're in a pinch hour of promise is going to dig you out of it because you can get two of the duels. Two non-basics, non right? Non-basics, yeah. yeah. And that's really the only reason it's in here, because... Well, I th actually, if you think about it, we play Explosive Vegetation, mm -hmm. which is three and a green. This is one mana more in a format that is ostensibly less powerful. And a little bit slower. I think it's totally fine and actually pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you want to have ramp things. But here's the thing. In an you ideal game, you want uh, Yoda to come out and turn four. Uh, maybe even turn three, but you're not going to always get there. And a lot of times you're just going to find like, dang it, I don't have this color. I can't, I don't have even enough of these mandrakes to make that color. So anything that allows you to do that is just going to be very powerful. And eventually you want to be able to activate Yoda twice. So even later in the game, yeah. just getting a couple extra lands is not the worst thing. That's a good point. Yeah. So, um, and then the last ramp card uh, that we're going to talk about is grow from the ashes, which is two in a green for a sorcery with kicker two. You search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. If the spell was kicked, instead search your library for two basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Notably, the lands do not come in tapped. That's really important because this spell essentially costs two mana. One in the blue. Three mana. Well, it's two in the blue, but you get a land untapped, oh, right, right. so you get a two mana green, back. Yeah. Normally when you play you know, a card that... Like, I was thinking of it when it was kicked. Yeah, now when you're kicking it, then that's awesome. I actually think this is probably commander playable because, like I said, Explosive Vegetation is a card we see a lot that cost three mana. three in a green. This is yeah. this is if you kick it, four in a green, but you get two lands untapped, so it's closer to Sky Shroud claim. Yeah, very powerful. Um, the fact that it gets basics is the only reason you're run really running basics in this deck, but I do like Girl from Ashes a lot. Um, I think it's subtly very powerful. Again, whenever we play commander, whenever we play these formats, we always tell people to look out for text like this yeah where if it doesn't say the words tapped on it or if it doesn't say the word basic you know you're always looking for those sorts of things when it comes to these cards and that's going to boost their value especially in the long run of the game i think a good way to look at cards in brawl too for multiplayer is to think of their commander analog mm -hmm. and then be like how close is it and if it's close it's probably to to like staple or, or commander playable cards like explosive vegetation yeah if it's just that but one more mana that's good. Now these aren't even, these are better. One of them finds any two lands, doesn't have to be basics, and the other one puts them into play on tap. So it kind of evens out that yeah. extra cost and, and makes it this is like this is formats explosive vegetation. And it works out really well. Um now obviously you're not always going to be able to win the game just by playing these giant creatures. Sometimes you're just not going to get there. So uh, one of the big important things in this deck is also being able to be a little sneaky, to add a little surprise to your element. Because otherwise, it's going to be pretty obvious. Pass the turn to you, Jimmy. What are you going to do? Play a five-mana spell that should not cost five mana. Um, but there are a couple of things that both help in different ways. And these actually are two cards that work really well in combination, but are also helping you out fix your mana. This card's insane. I want to play it in Commander really bad. Me too. I can't I can't just imagine playing in Commander and just cackling. So it's Brass's Bounty. Six and a red for a sorcery. For each land you control, create a treasure artifact token. Uh, treasures, obviously, are artifacts you can sacrifice to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So good in this deck because, for one... You can play it for five mana instead of seven. For two man of any color so you use all those treasure to automatically activate yoda's ability or yeah i don't know what to call it it's not really activating his ability uses ability use yoda to his yeah. maximum potential yeah and you know there's going to be points in the game where you just have 
13, 14 mana. Again, these games do tend to go long in multiplayer, which means for five mana, you get 13 more mana or something, right? Yeah. And you still have your other eight mana, so you can ha- turn your you know, 12 or 13 mana into 22. Yeah, Brass's Bounty gets out of control the later it goes in the game. And in general, if you're able to play it with Yoda and you just need the ability to just make more uh, lands, it's great. You know, even that seven mana by itself, it's great because it means you're getting probably about seven treasure tokens. Um, and then the card that pairs really well with it, but is also good in the format, I think, that is going to have a lot of creature removal and creatures dying is Revel and Riches, four in the black enchantment. Whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, create a colorless treasure artifact token. You can sacrifice to add one, add one mana of any color. But at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control 10 or more treasures, you win the game. Um, I don't think there's Vandal Blast in the format. I don't think I mean, there's, there's much some... enchantment removal. <laughs> there's definitely not mass enchantment removal, and I don't... There's, like, release the Gremlins and some other... For artifacts, it, yeah. Artifact stuff, so they could maybe get rid of your tokens. And there's, like, River's Rebuke to all non-land permanent stuff. But it, there's not a lot. It's yeah. definitely not like Commander, where every deck's packing, like, five or six of those. Yeah. Uh, in Brawl... I think a deck's probably lucky to have two effects that do that. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is that if it's just one of those things where it's like, and I saw in this last game. There's still, less tutors. Less tutors. If I had this combo out, that wouldn't have been a way to have actually beaten the Muldrotha deck, which is like kind of slip past it and say, like, I don't care about your win condition and how you're going to win the game because I can't beat you on the value-wise. I'm going to have to beat you with a card that says you win the game on it. Yeah, and, and the Muldrotha deck would be sitting there being like, if I can't remove the enchantment or all of the artifacts, I can't do it. And then, Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And it also gives you the freedom to start attacking into the Moldrotha player because then they don't want to block because they're going to make you more treasures. So it just makes everything around the table a little tricky. And the board wipe, oh my gosh, you sometimes just win the game. Yeah. It, well, it can be in a position where you don't want a board wipe to happen. You play that so that it'll deter them because yeah. you're like, well, if you board wipe, I win. Yep. Um, this next one's interesting. I asked you about it and you had a good answer of why it's in there. So it's Samut, Voice of Descent, three red and green for a 3-4 legendary human warrior flash double strike vigilance and haste other creatures you control have haste plus you can pay a white and tap samut to untap another target creature yeah samut just does it all samut does it all by herself she just comes in and smacks you for six with vigilance and haste and double strike and flash so she can come in out of nowhere she can actually come in eat one of your opponent's creatures and then smack them for six and i think the big thing about this deck is that it's kind of like a glass cannon it's very explosive but if it gets stopped then it takes a lot of time to rebuild sometimes and figure it out and so being able to give other creatures haste is really the most important part of samut for me because being able to have samut out and then as a comma is very you know obviously big game um, and, and any of the other major, huge, like Atali, other creatures in this deck that are just giant beaters, sometimes that's how you're going to be able to kill someone with those creatures. Um, and there's actually another card in Dominaria that I didn't put in here that is uh, does the same thing. It's Garna the Blood Flame. And I think you play that if you're meta, your meta has a lot of board wipes because you can get a lot of cards back to your hand as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like Samut just because... It has flash on it as well, and so does Garna, but you can just hit someone for a ton of damage. I don't just don't think this format's going to have a lot of board wipes. There just aren't that many options. I mean, White has a bunch, but nobody else really does. Yeah, so. that's about yeah. it. Um, this next category is called Joda Makes It Cheaper, or Yoda Makes It Cheaper, but this is still a great deal without him. So these are just cards that I think are over five mana, which is sort of the Joda limit. Uh, so these cards are all six CMC. And if you play them, it's like, okay, you could have gotten a one-mana discount, but at the same time, you kind of don't really care about that one-mana because this card's value is insane. So one You're, you're is, fine if you pay it full price, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Sahili's Artistry is the oh, first yeah. one. Four blue-blue for a sorcery. Choose one or both. Create a token that's a copy of target artifact and or create a token that's a copy of target creature, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. So Kaladesh and Aether Revolt are in the format. There are a ton of artifact creatures running around. Noxious Gearhulk, probably going to be one of the more played cards in the format. This gets you two of them for six mana. Super good. Also, there's just going to be a lot of artifacts like you might just want. A Guild of Lotus. Yeah, exactly. Why not? I'll take a Guild of Lotus and the best creature on the board. That seems good for six mana. Yeah, pretty darn good. You don't actually care about paying the five with Joda. And the fact that you have every color, again, just lets you do it. Uh, This card did some work on game nights. Well, so did Sahila's Artistry. (laughs) Um, It's Karn's Temporal Sundering. It's four blue-blue for a legendary sorcery. Now, what legendary sorcery means is that you must have either a legendary creature or a planeswalker on the battlefield in order to cast the spell. There's been a lot of questions from people. Um, so to clarify, a legendary sorcery, if you copied it, forked it, somehow got two copies of it um, you know, on the stack at the same time, they don't work like legendary creatures on the battlefield. They would both resolve. Mm-hmm. Um 
legendary rule only applies to things permanent on the battlefield. So two Karn's temporal sunderings can happen uh, at the same time. If you again, if you forked it, Insidious willed it, or whatever. And what it does is target player takes an extra turn after this one and return up to one target non-land permanent to its owner's control. And then you exile Karn's Temporal Sundering. So there's no shenanigans with Scribe of the Mindful on this one. I mean, that's ridiculous, though. You get to bounce something, too, randomly? And it's get an only... Extra turn? I mean, they just put an unsummon onto Time uh, Warp. Time Warp, yeah. For one extra mana. <sighs> this card's ridiculous. Yeah, I could see this being a very important card in even, like, the Take All the Turns decks. Yeah. Because um, they're playing part of the Water Veil and stuff, which requires a lot of mana. Uh, yeah, I think it's really powerful, obviously. They don't really care if it goes to the graveyard. And taking extra turns is usually pretty good when you have nine nines on the board or nickel boluses and you're able to activate them twice. So that's really what it is. You're already I mean, playing huge stuff. This seals the deal kind of if thing. If you didn't see Game Nights, well, turn off the podcast really quickly because <laughs> I'm about to spoil something. But Jimmy had a turn where he literally went Zakama, untop all his lands, Rishkar's ep- expertise Jeez. to draw nine cards because he had Zakama, off the Rishar's expertise, play Vizier of Many Faces, copying Zakama, untap all his lands, then play Karn's Temporal Sundering, take, take an, an extra, extra turn, turn. And then the next turn, and the next Nicol turn, Nickel Bolas. <laughs> so his turn, was that five or six? That was five. His turn six. five was Zakama, draw nine, take an extra turn, bounce uh, my commander, and then Nickel Bolas. Yeah. All in turn five. Well, that's better than turn three Ugin, I think. Yeah, it's definitely better than turn three. You can you have multiple threats that have to be dealt with immediately. Otherwise, people are just all going to die. That was ridiculous. And then I didn't win the game. Amazing. <laughs> it's, uh, that's I, the craziness of this format. I always tell people, and, and that should be a good lesson, which is that no matter how far somebody is ahead, if all three, if the rest of the table, and it's three players or more, team up against that person, you always have a chance because yeah. three... Three cards drawn by your opponents to your one. Three land drops to your one. That's a... You're three people working in tandem yeah. to your one. That's yeah. the big thing, too. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. All right. The last card I'm going to talk about, which is still a great deal, is Sunbird's Invocation. Oh, yeah. Five and a red. Whenever you cast a spell from your hand, it's an enchantment. Uh, reveal the top X cards of your library, where X is that spell's converted mana cost. You may cast a card revealed this way with converted mana cost X or less without paying its mana cost, but the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So it's kind of cascadish. It's cascadish, and again, you're paying five mana with Yoda's ability to pay to play an eight drop or a nine drop. So you're going to look at the top nine cards of your library and definitely be able to cast something, sometimes an even bigger monster. So this is another way, for instance, that I could have gone off with Yoda in that extra turn is just start to string spells into each other. Yeah, it's it's really like a lot of value. It's any card. You can cast a Karn's Temporal Sundering off it. There's basically, it's very hard to get around that. And I had, you know, again, you saw this in Game Nights. This card ended up doing a lot of work towards the end because I needed to keep up in value with Josh's deck. And while it got me a ton of value, it still wasn't enough. But it was, but obviously it was close. a lot of value, yeah. It was very I actually close. think it was ahead except for River's Rebuke. Yeah. Like you were actually getting a little more value than I was at that point. But the problem was River's Rebuke. River's Rebuke, yeah. Otherwise, that Sandworm Convergence would have kept going. And then at that point, it's just like, all right, who can, you know, how can you just, how can you get past a wall like that? All right. I like the name of this next category. Safety first. Safety it's, first. It's, it's all well and good to have huge, you know, nine CMC spells you want to cast. But don't forget the basics. Don't forget you also want to be able to protect your board. And um, this new one, I think, is going to become a, a commander card we see a lot of. It did a lot of work. It's very good. So it's Shalai, Voice of Plenty. It's three and a white for a 3-4 flyer, legendary creature, Angel. Your You, Planeswalkers you control, and other creatures you control have Hexproof. Basically, it requires your opponent to get rid of Shalai before they pinpoint remove any of your stuff. Um I guess your artifacts enchantments are still oh, fair game. Mm-hmm. Also has a secondary ability for green, green, and put a 1-1 one, one counter on each creature you control. And it, you don't tap Shalai or anything, so if you have 12 mana, you can do that twice. Right. 18, three times, blah, blah, blah. Shalai is just a really good insurance policy being like, okay, I'm going to put that out. I'm hexproof. My planeswalkers and my creatures are hexproof. So if you were planning to get, do like one thing to me, you're going to have to be able to get rid of Shalai and then do it. Yeah, and we saw that this affected River's Rebuke quite a bit because it turned the card off until Josh could remove that card, specifically Shalai. And the four green green in a lot of creature base decks is going to be very powerful. In here, it's just one of those additional things. You're going to have a lot of mana on the battlefield a- after a while. 
you could just start making everything bigger and find a way to win through just that. Because Jodo himself being a 4-3 and Shalai being a 3-4 flyer, like, that's a lot of damage, too. Also, like, you're going to have big threats, and they might have a removal spell. You play Shalai, and it's like, suddenly, crap, i got to get rid of Shalai before I get rid of Zakama, and that yeah. might just be enough time to, that they can't. And how many know? decks can play multiple removal spells out of their deck turn? <laughs> we also need a ton of mana to do two things, so not yeah. everybody will be able to do it. Shalai is just very, very good. Uh, I just think it's a really good card. And just you randomly having Hexproof, so powerful. We saw that mm-hmm. Ben had Aetherflux Reservoir in that game, had the ability to give above 50 life, but he realized, oh, well, two-thirds of my opponents are Hexproof, so it do- doesn't do anything against yeah, them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Pretty oh, interesting. He got so close. Yeah. I, I think he would have had a chance to win if you guys didn't have Shalai's because he could have got above 50 life and then sat there being like, if anybody comes at me, you're dead. Yeah, it's true. And then we have to go at each other first, and he can just... He, he would have had a real chance anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. The next one in the safety first category is Primeval's Glorious Rebirth. Oh, my God. This card. In that, this deck. <laughs> in this deck specifically. If you haven't noticed that, like, most of the stuff is legendary. Yeah. And this card is... why not? Why not? It's Yoda wants to cast legendary things. Of course they're going to cost more mana. Uh, this is five of white and a black for a legendary sorcery. So, again, you can only cast this if you control a legendary creature or planeswalker. Return all legendary permanent cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. So this deck runs some legendary enchantments. This deck runs a lot of legendary creatures. And this also runs legendary permanents like Planeswalkers. So this is basically every legendary permanent from your graveyard to the battlefield for seven mana. With Yoda, only cost five. And that's why you want to play a card like Samut in this deck. Because imagine bringing back you know, your Atalis, Sakamas, and Samut, because she's legendary, and then they all have haste, and you can turn at someone. Actually, she's got Vigilance, so it's yeah, like that. It's like this. Yeah. Well, some people are doing this. So it's like this. Yeah. It's like <laughs> this guy's swerving his car. It's <laughs> Samut Drift. Yeah. <laughs> that card uh, for five mana is insane, because you really, even if you just get one thing, one Nicol Bolas... Yeah. You still cast a five-mana Nicol Bolas. And the thing about this deck is, again, the reason you have an entire protection category is that people are going to be going after your permanents a lot. They're pretty powerful. Uh, the next one is, it's kind of a staple in Commander now, yeah. and so you know it's good in Brawl. It's Heroic Intervention, one in a green and an instant. Permanents you control gain hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. Great to save one thing, great to save all your stuff. Yep. And finally, uh, in the legendary protector stuff category, it's Yogmoth's Vile Offering, four and a black for a legendary sorcery. Incredible art. So again, you can only cast this if you oh, control a no legendary Bradley, right? creature. Yeah, or a planeswalker. He did. Noah did um, this. all of the legendary sorceries. Yeah, and they're all kind of similar, and all like the art's incredible on all. Yeah, of them. these are all the original Elder Dragons, I think. And you can see they're all sort of laid out similarly with a figure sort of in the middle mm-hmm. and a landscape. Karn's, is, Karn's temporal, whatever, is crazy. Yeah. yeah, that art is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so this legendary sorcery for four in the black says, put up to one target creature or planeswalker card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control and destroy up to one target creature or planeswalker and exile this legendary sorcery. So this is going to become a commander staple too. Um, yeah. Yeah, regrow something from any graveyard. Including and, Planeswalkers. And destroy something. Yeah, and you can graveyard. destroy Planeswalkers. Yeah. Yeah. So again, not many effects that can kill Planeswalkers in this format, and not many effects that's going to grab something out of your opponent's graveyard. And again, if you're playing ridiculous you know, powered cards in other opponent's decks, I want a Muldrotha if it's in someone's deck. I want this. I want X. Give it to me, please. Give it to me. Okay. I'm going to read the next one. Oh, yes. So this is removal category. Is this removal I guess it does remove stuff. It does remove stuff. <laughs> I don't know if it counts in the removal category. I'm counting it. It's a saga. It's called Fall of the Thrawn. It's five and a white. Uh, sagas are enchantments, and they're also historic, but they're not legendary, which is confusing. <laughs> um, we kind of messed that up on game nights. So when it comes in, if you re- recall, as sagas enter um, and after you dr- your draw step, you add a lore counter. And uh, each step along the way, one, two, and three, which are kind of like chapters of the saga... Uh, something happens. Um, at chapter one, when it comes in, destroy all lands. So six mana, Armageddon. But then it sits there, and on chapter two, after your draw step, it says each player returns two land cards from their graveyard to the battlefield. And then on chapter three, same thing. Um, you get two more lands. Each player gets two more lands. And then once you hit three, you sacrifice it. So every, everybody will have four lands after three turns of this, right? Yeah. Destroy all lands. Do it twice. I mean, this is a deck that will place like a couple of huge things early, and then it'll want to do the classic thing, which is like, then I want 
to stop the game, right? Pause it right where we are. And just let me dominate at this point. Yeah, so you just get rid of everybody's lands. And now, yeah. like, well, if you couldn't handle Sagama and Nicol Bolas or whatever, Sandworm Convergence and Nicol Bolas, with all your lands, you think of how long it's going to be until you can handle those things once I blow up all your lands. Yeah, and even though you do get two lands back each turn, if you think about it, Joda costs four. So by the second or third chapter, you're going to have enough mana to recast Joda if you can, if you need to. But also, you can just drop a land on that turn, and yeah. then you're able to use Yoda's ability again. So you're actually in a good spot to use the five, ma- the four mana that you get back from this card eventually, much better than I think other players are necessarily. All right, our next piece of removal is Profane really Procession. This is totally a Josh Lee Quai card. Yeah, considering Value. you run all the term, uh, not terminates, you run all of the uh, other black, white, stuff. utter and yeah. exiles cards. Yeah. For one uh, white and a black, you have a legendary enchantment. By the way, this comes back with uh, Primeval's Glorious Rebirth. Yep. I think. Yep. You yep. did that. Yep. And then used it again. Yep. yep. Uh, three, a white and a black activated ability. Exile target creature. Then if there are three or more cards exiled with Profane Procession, you can flip it into temp- Tomb of the Dusk Rose, tap it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool, and you can pay two, a white and a black to tap it and add a cr- put a creature card exiled with this permanent onto the battlefield under your control. So you can buy back those creatures. Or you can just leave them permanently exiled, which I would want to have would have wanted to have done with the Moldrotha deck, for example. Yeah. It's a reusable exile creature card that then allows you to start casting those on your side of the battlefield. Uh, cards bonkers. Yeah, very good. Obviously, you're going to have a lot of mana. Um, this You're very rarely going to try and do this twice in a turn. Just being able to hold up Threat of you Activation, too. Yeah, no. <laughs> I did a lot of things. I think you're going to do it more than you think because, again, the format is kind of slow. It's prone to um, a lot of sort of standoffs yeah. and muddying up and people being having trouble breaking through and that's a situation where profane procession is just great and you just get some of those cards back as well which is pretty important um the last piece of removal i'll talk about is the only board wipe that the deck runs outside of fall of the thran and i think i made a mistake here i think I should have ran more being in white uh urza's ruinous blast four in the white legendary sorcery exile all non-land permanents that aren't legendary so exiling all non-land permanents that aren't legendary exiles yeah that's very important obviously in the format and again most of your cards here are legendary so yeah, you're going to come out on top. Even if people keep their commander, a lot of it's going to go away. Yeah. All right. Um, okay, so the last oh, category. You, you made an interesting category. Yeah. yeah. I like it. And this is specifically about Brawl. These are cards that are in this deck that I think every single Brawl deck, brawl deck should run if they can. Um, so in general, I think if you're like looking for a slot to fill, look at some of these cards. And if your deck can play it, you should be playing it. The first we talked about in the Moldrotha episode is Vizier of Many Faces. Two blue blue. It's a clone. It comes in the battlefield as a copy of any creature. Uh, and then it's got an embalm cost. So from the graveyard, you can play three blue blue to do it again. So if you're playing blue, you should play this card. Yeah. Just straight up. It's tons of value. It's really great. It's um, absurd value. The next one is Gilded Lotus. I think you can pretty much say if a card is a format staple in Commander, you should play it in Brawl because it's just yeah. going to be of a very high power level. Very few decks, I think, specific decks won't want Gilded Lotus. But for in general, it's a great card. Uh, yeah, I can't think of. 1v1 decks, maybe not because yeah. it's a little slower. But a multiplayer deck definitely wants it. Um, there's also Mirage Mirror, and this deck, I think this is more meta-dependent, but at the same time, I mean, look at what my deck is playing. It's a three mana. You can pay two mana to make Mirage Mirror a copy of target artifact, creature, enchantment, or land until end of turn. So just the flexibility here, being able to, again, you're limited by your colors and your card pool. Why not play a card like Mirage Mirror that lets you expand into everyone else's card pool as a result? If you can do it, you should play it. Um, treasure Map is two mana for an artifact. You pay one and scry one. Uh, and then you put a landmark counter on treasure map. And then when it has three landmark counters on it, so once you've scryed with it three times, you flip it over, and it becomes a land that you can tap and either uh, get mana or sacrifice uh, a treasure to draw a card. card. So what it does is it eventually just draws you three cards. Yeah, because it makes three mana. It makes three three treasures. Although you have other ways to make treasure in this deck, and also you might want to use the treasure to cast uh, the spell with Jota or whatever if you were cramped on mana. So yeah. it wouldn't just be to draw the cards. And you're um, getting a little bit of card advantage by being able to scry, scry one off of this. I think a two-mana artifact isn't a huge cost to many decks. Um, obviously, I think Evolving Wilds is just one of those cards that every deck will play because you're going to want that. If you're three or more colors, if you're I think. three or more yeah. colors, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then this one. This card, absolutely, every, car, every deck should play. It's Field of Ruin. It's a land. It taps for diamond or colorless mana. Also, you can pay to tap and sacrifice the Field of Ruin and then destroy target non-basic land in opponent controls. And then each player searches his or her library for a basic land card, puts it on the battlefield, and then shuffles his or her library. Now, that last part's not good for you 
because you sacrifice your field of ruin and blow up, say, Craig's land. So you both lost a land. Then mm-hmm. everybody goes and finds land, which means Everyone the other players, the other two players that didn't get affected, just are up a land on you guys. At the same time, this is a format that has functional guys cradle, guys cradle, functional Tolarian Academy. There's profane a procession. profane profession flips into a land. Um, treasure map flips into a land. Joda. The Jota deck, if you're playing against it, you may want to just blow up because you notice they only have one land that taps for white or whatever. Yeah, uh, It's just super, super necessary to have this kind of effect in your deck. And so you are willing to pay the price. We saw on game nights, like I used it and it was super effective to get rid of the Tomb of the Duskrows. Mm-hmm. And what other card did I have in my deck that could do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that card was about to get bonkers. Yeah. Um, so if I could go back and change anything about this deck, looking back at it now, I think I would build in a little more card draw early on. Now in this deck, there are a lot of cyclers because you obviously like a card like lay claim costs seven mana, but sometimes you just need to cycle it away to get another card. That's another sweet card in the format. Yeah. Um, and I think I'd put definitely put in more board wipes, but specifically, and I think everyone should be doing this now is more graveyard hate because (laughs) this format does take off. I think a lot of people are going to build more drill decks. Definitely in the first while Dominaria is the newest set. Yeah. And maybe depending on what what's the next thing, M19. When M19 comes out, you know, you'll look at the legendary creatures because those are going to be the decks people build at that moment. And yeah. maybe then you can kind of throttle back a little on your graveyard hate. I would play Silent Gravestone in almost every deck. It's just so low impact yeah, exactly. for you to do it. And also, um, what's the land? The Scavenging Grounds or whatever? Yeah. I think... This deck would maybe have trouble running it because it needs to hit its colors, but most decks could run Scavenging Grounds yeah. and uh, and not impact their deck much. Okay, let's spend a little bit of time talking about the mana base of the deck. Now, it was really interesting for me to try and build this because you're essentially incentivized to use every single dual land that you can, but some are a lot better than the others, and you have to still have limited you have limited land slots to play your field of ruin as well as at least one of every basic because you have an evolving wild as our well promise, as our promise growth from the ashes. Growth from the ashes. Yeah. yeah. So when I was looking through is there's a very good interaction between the check lands of the deck, uh, which is cards that say Woodland Cemetery enters the battlefield unless you control a swamp or a forest. And then the Amonkhet cycle lands, like Scattered Groves and Irrigated Farmland that you can cycle away for two, but also have you know, Plains Island in the subtext, yeah, which means types, cards yeah. like Rootbound Crag, Woodland Cemetery can come into play untapped, which can be really important if you're trying to play Joda on turn four. You're definitely not going to be able to do crazy stuff like play Jodon 4 and then play Zakam on 5 if you can't get at least a couple of lands to come into play untapped. Yeah, and you don't want, again, anything that can help your lands come into play untapped, which is great. Uh, so again, the Amicant Cycle lands are awesome. Yeah, I'm going to play as many of those as you can as well as these check lands. And you want to play them because they have the potential to come into play untapped. And you want at least all your basics for the Evolving Wilds, and then the Cycle Lands are on top of that. And you're, that's basically based on what the composition of your deck's going to be looking like. You want more green than anything else. So it's tough. It's tough to make it work. I may have not done the mana base perfectly in this deck. I think I got pretty close. But at the same time, it's one of those things where I'd have to goldfish it a lot more times to really know if I nailed it down. But there is a small percentage chance that you're not going to be able to make it on time. <laughs> Yeah, so. I think that's the risk with this deck is really just the mana base. It's going to be a slightly sketchy. It's not horrible, yeah. but yeah, it's slightly sketchy. I All think right. the dual-colored cycle lands, if you're playing the colors, you play those lands. Yes. They're so good. And the deserts, the single-color cycle lands. Now, Joda's Yoda is a different case here because of the necessity of the mana base. But in every other deck, the I think the desert cycle lands are also... like must play cycling is just one of the most efficient things to put on a card that gives it so much extra value and very rarely takes away from the power level of the actual card so yeah all right to the listeners what do you guys think of yoda our great green wizard over here Mm, think of me what do you (laughs) obviously he has ridiculous potential in edh but he seems like by far outside of maybe animar the most obvious remove on site commander that i can think of um, just because you can play Omniscience yeah, know, exactly. with this guy. And so, Omniscience on turn five. That's turn four. True. And Commander probably In Commander. turn three, maybe. Could you get this guy on two? Let's see. What'd you have to do? Turn one Soul Ring. Into turn, Signet. Into a Signet. Yeah, turn two. You can have a turn two Joda. Yeah. So you can turn three with Joda. It's possible. Difficult, yeah. but possible. Difficult, but possible. Um, so a lot of potential. Let us know if you've brewed anything for uh, Commander with this card or if you've done anything for Brawl. If you think that maybe it is a little too greedy, let us know. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. 
And if you want to pick up Yoda or any of these awesome cards like Zakama, Zakama you probably want. You want Zakama. Who doesn't want Zakama? Zakama's so good. I gave, oh, I was doing spell sling in Seattle and I gave, you know, we were giving boosters away to, to people that played us. I gave a booster away to a listener to the show and he came back and he showed me a foil Zakama. Oh, so sick. That was sick. I was like, I was very happy that happened. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, if you want a foil Zakama, you're probably not going to open it in a booster pack, but you can order it online at cardkingdom.com slash command zone. If you use that affiliate link, when you order your magic products, singles, Anything to do with the game, you know you're going to get that stuff anyway. Use the affiliate link. When you do, you'll be supporting this show, Game Nights, all of our content. That's right. And also buy some Ultra Pro product while you're on that website or at your local LGS. Buying Ultra Pro does support the show. They have their new Eclipse sleeves. Obviously, with Brawl, you don't need 100, but for your Commander decks, you do. I love these sleeves. I take them to draft with me. I still have the same draft set I've been playing with for almost half a year now. They're a little dirty and a little scuffed up, but they do the job. They, they definitely don't, they don't split. I don't think I've split, I've never split a single Eclipse sleeve. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you have to sort of wipe them down, like. But all sleeves are like that after you've played with them for like six to nine months. Yeah. yeah. I switched over to Eclipse sleeves almost a year ago now, and I don't think I've replaced a single sleeve in that time. It's crazy. Pretty impressive. Yeah. So, Ultra Pro doing a good job. Okay. Now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. You know, recently on Twitter, Jimmy, we were talking about a movie that we'd both seen. It's oh, you're right. A little bit old at this point, but um, a Quiet Place. Yeah. John so, Krasinski. John Krasinski directed and was he one of the writers too? Yeah, I think so. Um, and Emily Blunt, his wife, obviously, yep. in the movie. If you haven't seen it, the premise is that there are monsters in the world and they hunt by sound. So the only way to survive is to be as quiet as possible at all times. And this is going to be loud enough to get them right there probably. Yeah. Basically, if you drop like a glass on the floor, you're going to get eaten by a monster. If not, it's going to run exactly to where you are and try and figure out where you are. Yeah. So, um, so if you haven't seen the movie... Uh, you might want to you might want to tune out now because we don't want to ruin anything. But we have to, we're going to talk about it a little bit because I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I liked it a lot, honestly. I think, uh, and I said this on Twitter as well. The reason that Jordan Peele did such a good job with Get Out as also being a fellow comedian, because John Krasinski is a comedian, obviously from The Office as Jim, is that comedy and horror share a lot of the same important elements, which is timing, knowing how to build inside the world that they're in, you know, building on, you know, because a lot of comedy is referential, self-referential, and so is a lot of good horror. Well, comedy is a lot about context. Yeah, and I think the timing and also just the ability to know how to land something at the right time, and a lot of horror has a, those elements. Well, I think both things are about expectation and context. So yeah. think of how often comedy is repetition of something previously, but it's the expectation it hits you when you're not ready for it yeah exactly or you're expecting something and it skews the other way and gets you because you're thinking oh they're going to repeat something or do something they already did and then boom and horror kind of works in the same way so i really like that point um similar skill set right yeah similar skill set and i just think that you know if if there are more great actors that can become great directors i'm all about it because i think that's a really fun way to revitalize the horror genre, and it's obviously, horror is going to be here forever, but I think Get Out and A Quiet Place are both great examples of movies that took a format and were like, hey, let's mess around a little bit. Let's make something that's really fun to, as, as well as enjoyable. Yeah, the kids, you said this too, uh, the kids were really good. They were it. great. Oh that can gosh. be dicey in movies. And, and you know, they're young kids. Sometimes it's six, seven, eight years old, mm -hmm. you know, and if you just choose the wrong one and it kind of breaks the believability, it can really ruin the movie. Yeah. Um, Turns out one of the actors, uh, one of John Krasinski and Emily Blunt's daughters, is deaf in the show and is actually deaf in real life as well. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the daughter is actually really deaf. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I didn't love it. I thought there were some pretty big holes. My willful suspension of disbelief was tested. Yeah. And um, I think, I think they, that's the main complaint that people have, which is like the universe wasn't that fleshed out so that things that happen, you're just like, it was like, oh, we're watching a movie, right? Yeah, and they... they went out of their way to make the characters like sort of have cleverly come up with all these things. Yeah. But then you're thinking, well, like then why are they doing the obvious things? Like if you're going to do that and your characters have obviously lived in this world where they have to be silent. And so they've thought of these things like we have to make paths of sand everywhere because sand is quiet to walk on and we're going to play monopoly, but we're going to use like, you know, we're going to put little mitten things on everything yeah. so that's silent when we move the pieces around and we're going to build, you know, a crib and a thing and silent proof the walls. And it's like, okay, but you didn't think of the obvious thing, which is the inverse of your strategy. Instead of, living in a silent world, can you make the world so loud that the monsters 
have trouble locating you specifically. And that kind of like the whole time I was like, that's not what I would do. Well, because there's a scene where they go to a place they that is loud and they're like yelling, being like, look, it's safe here. The ma- it masks the noise. And it's like, oh. They go by like a, a waterfall. It's like a great place to settle down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I got an idea. Why not move next to the waterfall? Um, yeah. And I was just that, not just the waterfall itself, but I was just thinking like, and they even use it later. Like they use a distraction of a lot of noise yeah. on the thing. It's like, well, if that works... If that's a strategy, then I got news for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, it is really good still, and I would recommend it. Um, if you can just sort of put that part of it out of your mind, I yeah. think. Enjoy the, the movie for the movie's sake, yeah. as well as Emily Blunt just killing it, as always. She's so good. She's great. And she's Krasinski's incredible. Krasinski is really good, too. What was the yeah. Benghazi movie he was uh, in? I don't know, but he's jacked in that movie. That's all I remember. And he's really Benghazi. good in it, too. Yeah. 13 Hours? 13, 13 Hours, yeah. 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 And I was like, that was the movie where I was like, oh, man, that boy can act. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's not just... They both connect. I've been, a pretty space. It's I've been pretty the space. biggest fan of Emily Blunt oh, for the longest time. Emily Blunt's been killing it for, for a long yeah, time. She's so. just incredible. Yeah. Okay. All right. You know who else is incredible? <laughs> oh, my gosh. We, <laughs> is it because we always end the end step with a freaking compliment? <laughs> so it's just like nice and easy to just go right into it. Uh, and also played in our brawl episode of game nights ben bateman from the masters of modern podcast that's right he uh is on that show with our good friend alex kessler they talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic you can find them on twitter at the mmcast and also right next to us at collected.company the person that edits this show is craig blanchett replacing terry robertson who's now moved on to game nights thank you guys for your hard work and if you want to see that hard work you can go ahead and go to youtube.com slash the command zone podcast to watch our faces and the cards fly up on screen great for deck text because you you know we read the cards kind of fast sometimes times but you can sit there and read the card and process what we're saying think of your own strategies as well while you're going along write a little note to us in the comment section below all that good stuff so head on over at youtube.com slash command zone podcast and thanks to jeffrey palmer who does the living card animations at the beginning and end his twitter handle is living cards mtg all right everybody thanks for listening and hope you play some brawl soon and we'll be back to commander next week bye peace For your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.